Thanks, Dad. <laughs> Good morning, everybody. Well, what do you think of when I say the word worship? What comes to mind? Maybe it's uh, one of the, maybe it's this, or maybe it's that, or perhaps this, or maybe them. That's Elevation Worship Band, if you don't know who that is. Or maybe for some it's that. Have you considered that the reason we exist is to worship God? The reason we exist is to worship God. So today I'm going to talk a little bit about worship that attracts Jesus. You know, God made us to worship him and have intimacy with him. That's why he created us. He's a God who loves to have us close. He wants to have a relationship with you. He wants to have intimacy with you. And that's, why, that's what his plan was for Adam and Eve in the garden and actually for all of humanity. It was to keep us close so that he could dwell with us and so that he could have a relationship with us. That was his desire. But then, of course, Eve and Adam ate the fruit and ruined it for all of us. And with that, sin came rushing into the world, and sin came into our hearts. And what happened is we stopped worshiping God alone, and we started chasing our own desires and worshiping other things and people. And ever since that day, God has been running off to humanity to try and bring us back, to reconnect with us, back to that place of intimacy. That's why Jesus came. Jesus came, lived the perfect life, died a horrible death in your place, took your sin on the cross, and then he rose again, proving he was the one true living God, all in his desire for us to be able to go right into the holy place with God and have a relationship with him again, so that we could live in this earth with joy and courage and fulfillment and love and ultimate worship and intimacy with our creator. That's what he came for. So our job is simply to return to him. Our job is to worship him, to give him our attention, our affection, all day, every day, not just at church, but as a lifestyle. So what does worship look like for God? What did he intend for us? What does it mean for us to worship God? What's the importance of it? Let's look at John chapter 4 and verse 23. If you've been at our church for any extent of time, you know this is an important scripture at our church. And it says, and this is Jesus talking, and he says, But the time is coming, and indeed it is here now, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father is looking for those who will worship him that way, for God is spirit. So those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. See the command there? Must worship him in spirit and truth. But you know, in other translations, that's, it says that God comes seeking those who worship him in a certain way. Think about that. It's Sunday. There's worship happening all over the world today, right? Churches all over the world, all worshiping him. But the scripture doesn't say God is going to look at every church. He's going specifically looking for somebody, some church. He's looking specifically, which means he's bypassing many churches in the world, looking for those who are worshiping him in spirit and in truth. 
So what does that mean? What is spirit? What is truth? Well, I believe spirit means it's a Holy Spirit born activity. It is the Holy Spirit within us that enables us to worship God in the way he is supposed to be worshiped because he is spirit. So I don't know how important the Holy Spirit is in your life. Of course, we all know when we get saved, we get the Holy Spirit. Of course, he does the work in us. But we know there's more. There's the baptism in the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues. That's the fullness of the Spirit. And I, I don't know if this is your church or if you go to a different church or for those watching online, if you attend a different church. Is the Holy Spirit not just a part of your church, but is he allowed to lead your church? Is he leading the service? Because trust me, as a fleshly person, we can offer God nothing. Our worship is nothing to him if it is not from the Spirit of the Holy Spirit to him. It's the Holy Spirit within us that enables us to magnify him, glorify him, see him as he is, and worship him. That's what it means to worship in spirit. It's with the Holy Spirit. And it talks about truth. I think truth could mean a few different things, but I, I think it means, are you honest? Are you coming to God as an open book, vulnerable, the good, the bad, the ugly, withholding nothing, saying, here I am, God? I heard this quote, and I thought, wow, that's powerful. And it said, Satan dines on what we withhold from the Lord. Satan dines on what we withhold from the Lord. What does that mean? If there's stuff in your life that, oh, I'm not ready to give that little sin up, or I'm, I'm still doing that little thing on the side, or I'm still holding on to this emotion, or whatever it might be, there's something in my life, you know what it is, and you're kind of withholding it, and you're not ready to give it up. And when you come to worship, now the enemy's beating you up with it, because now you can't come in as you were supposed to because you've got this thing holding you back. And the enemy's running, he's having a party with it. So <clears throat> worshiping in spirit and in truth. And so we worship in our private life at home. And then we come together and we worship him corporately. What it is, it's a way that we collectively communicate our love to God. It's the one thing that we will do for eternity. We won't always pray for the sick. We won't always have altar calls. We won't always be counseling people. But in heaven, we will always be worshiping. We will worship from now until eternity. So it's our great privilege and honor in this life to worship him, to give him all the honor and the glory he deserves. So how do we worship? What is the practicality of it? What does it look like? Well, there's many scriptures in Psalms that give us descriptions. I'm going to just use one today, Psalms 95, and you can be all glad I just said one of them. Um, and David, you know, he was the great worshiper. God said he had a heart after his own. So let's look at how David describes it. We'll go to Psalm 95. It says, come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us shout joyfully to the rock of our salvation. Let us come to him with thanksgiving. So you see they're singing. We're doing it. Woohoo! You see, shout joyfully. It didn't say, whisper joyfully. It said, shout. Shout. You might be like, that's loud for church. You know what I'm saying? Turn that down a little bit. No, shout joyfully with thanksgiving. 
And a lot of times that you'll notice that's like the foster songs we do. That's the time where you come in and you're just so excited for who God is. And you're shouting and you're joyful and it's with thanksgiving. So you're thanking him for what he's done. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for the Holy Spirit. It's a thankful time. Okay? So that's what you're seeing. It said, let us sing psalms of praise to him. And then it says for, which means why. Why we do this? For the Lord is a great God. He is a great king above all small gods. And he tells you why. He holds in his hands the depths of the earth and the mightiest mountains. The sea belongs to him for he made it. His hands form the dry land too. Basically, in case you forgot who he is, he is the creator of all. Everything you see, he created it. You guys get excited when you get your new iPhone. Because you're like, oh my gosh, have you seen the newest creation, what they've done? Oh my gosh, let's stand in line forever. What? Look at the creator. Look at the one who made the mountains and the seas and the whales and the dolphins and your dog and the person, human being. My goodness. Does he not deserve the praise? And it says, now you'll see the difference here. It says, now come, let us worship and bow down. Now watch the, the slowness coming here. Let us worship him and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our maker, for he is our God. We are the people he watches over. His flock is under our care. What you notice here is notice the posture of worship. Folks, this is not just an utterance. This is an attitude. This, there's a physicality to it. There's the raising of the hands. There's the bowing down on your face. There's the kneeling. What do people do when they, when they meet the, used to be the Queen of England, now the King of England. What do they do when they meet the King? They bow as a sign of respect. I respect you. That's why I'm bowing to your authority. When you bow or you kneel before God, it is a sign, it's an outward expression of a heart that is yielded and being reverent. In my own worship time in my, in my bedroom, most of the times I get down on my knees to worship God just because I feel such a reverence for him that I feel, I feel like, God, what else can I do? I just want to get lower. I don't feel like I deserve to stand in your presence. You deserve my body laid out. It's the only thing I can. It's my outward expression of my heart yielded down. Can you kneel without being yielded? Sure. But you might only be impressing those around you. God's not tricked or faked out by your flesh. He knows the difference between genuine and real worship. Why are you doing it so others can see you, see how you're doing, see that you're a good worshiper? No, God's not. God knows genuine worship. Now, I'm not saying don't come to him because you're like, well, I can't, then I can't do anything until I'm perfect. No, we're, none of us are perfect. <laughs> we all come to God a little bit of a mess. I'm just saying when you come, get your heart right. Just say, God, I, I need help. You know, whatever it might be, forgiveness, whatever you need at that moment, just be like, God, here I am. Just come honestly. And it's, there's, at the end of that Psalms, it says, today you'll hear his voice. Do you know that in worship, it's the easiest time to hear his voice. 
because you've taken your eyes off yourself, you're focused on him, your heart is yielded, you're worshiping him, you can hear his voice. So what does worship look like in heaven? We've seen what God expects here. What does worship look like in heaven? There's so many great, um, there's, there's more than one example in the Bible. Revelations chapter 4 is what we're going to look at, but there's also Isaiah chapter 6. <clears throat> Revelations chapter 4, I'm only going to read part of this. Now, imagine being taken as a, as a person to heaven with our limit of understanding in a world that has space and time and only so many dimensions to a world where there is no space or time or dimensions and you're trying to s explain what you're seeing <laughs> with the limited vocabulary we have, okay? So verse 4, he says, surround, he's talking about the throne room now, and he says, surrounding the throne were 24 other thrones, and seated on them were 24 elders. They were dressed in white and had crowns of gold on their heads. From the throne came flashes of lightning and rumblings of thunder. In the center around the throne were four living creatures, and they were covered with eyes in front and in back. And day and night, they, verse 8, day and night they never stopped saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and who is and who is to come. Whenever the living creatures give glory, honor, and thanks to him who sits on the throne and who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him and they lay their, their crowns before the throne and they say, you are worthy our Lord and our God, to receive all the glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and by your will they were created and have their being. In Isaiah chapter 6, he says, he describes it, he says that when those beings say that word, holy, it said that the foundations of heaven shook. The posts and the pillars shook when they say, holy. Can you imagine what that is? What is it when the earth shakes, people? It's an earthquake. Imagine somebody saying, holy, with so much power and authority that the earth shakes. It's not some holy, holy Jesus. It is holy. And the entire place shook with holy. It says 10,000 times 10,000 angels. I don't, I'm not good at math, but I think it's like 100 million. It's a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of people saying, holy. What awe and majesty and mystery is there in our God? You know, and I think there should be divine mystery in your relationship with God. Because he is a great God. There is so much we can't wrap our heads around. I mean, yes, God wants to reveal himself to us. We know he wants us to know more and more and more. And he's like, look at the scriptures. I'm going to teach you more about myself. Yes, yes, yes. But if you for one second think that you've got God figured out and that you fully understand his ways and how he works, all you've done is redu reduced him from God Almighty to a small g. And you will never bow down or kneel before a God you can understand. 
Because if you can fully understand God Almighty, you have created him in your own mind. And you will never bow before your own creation. You have to have awe and wonder and mystery and adoration before you bow your knee. The mystery is beautiful, though. Mystery is a good thing. Because if you have mystery, it means that you're living by faith. And guess what? Faith is what pleases God. Faith is what pleases God. That mystery is faith. It's saying, God, I don't fully understand you. I don't, I don't get it. I don't get half the stuff you're doing. But you know what? I am going to worship you in spite of. I'm going to, because I know you're a good God. I know you're a righteous God. I know you are holy. So I will bow my knee. Isn't that beautiful, though? You see the, the elders, the, the emerald around. These, that's, that's, uh, I just, that, that's actually somebody who saw heaven, and that's what they drew. That's their attempt at drawing what they saw. You know, it's, I read this other person's description of heaven, and they said that they, were, they died, literally died for an hour and 45 minutes, dead, 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 not kind of dead. And um, doctor version dead. And in their story, they say that when they... They were in heaven, and Jesus began to walk through heaven. And the flowers and the trees and the animals, everything bowed its knee as he began to walk. Everything bowed its knee. We can't picture all of creation. Flowers, trees, animals bowing their knee in reverence and awe as he walked. It said the mountains moved out of his way. As he walked, because of the love and the reverence and awe that even creation has for him. Hmm. But you know, worship should cost you something. Like the woman who broke the bottle of, of expensive perfume on Jesus. You know the story. It said that that perfume cost her a year's wages. I don't know how much money you make, but just think of your end of year salary. How much money is that? Now imagine taking all of that money, buying one bottle of perfume, and then breaking it on somebody. It's expensive. See, worship is actually a lifestyle of being surrendered. It's a laid-down lover of Jesus. Ooh, I love that. Laid down lover of Jesus. I know some of you are going to tweet that in two seconds. It's going to be on Instagram. I'm a laid down lover of Jesus. Yes, I am. But wait a second. <laughs> it's not as easy as it sounds. It means to have a heart posture. It means to have an attitude of the heart that is laid down for Jesus and surrendered to him. It's a lifestyle. You're like, well, what does that look like? It sounds pretty good. I'm sure, I'm sure I'm doing that. Well, let's see. Romans chapter 12, verse 1. Let's see. It says, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy. So listen, he's saying, listen, because of God's great mercy towards you, listen what you should do. In view of God's mercy, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Holy and acceptable to God, this is your true and proper worship. Folks, a living sacrifice. People from the Old Testament, they understood what a sacrifice meant. But in today's culture, 
Nobody knows what the word sacrifice means. And if you tell somebody you're supposed to be a living sacrifice, no, 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 no. Culture tells me that I'm supposed to be happy and do everything that makes me happy. And if it doesn't make you happy, stop doing it and start doing something else. That's not the way it works in God's kingdom. In God's kingdom, you lay happiness at his altar. Because guess what? If he's asking you to lay something down, what he's asking you to pick up is so much better. Your version of what you think happiness in is as pales in comparison to what true happiness found in God is. Do you know Jesus calls us to a royal priesthood? A royal priesthood, folks. We're supposed to be a purified, holy people. The world is supposed to look at us and be like, wow, they emanate the glory of God. We, in our lives, are supposed to live pleasing God. Now, I know we're under grace. We know we're in a covenant under grace, and thank you, Jesus, for that. But if you've read the Old Testament right lately, I don't know, Leviticus, Deuteronomy, Exodus, and you start to see the, the law that God put on them and what would happen if they broke the law, literally every other person was being stoned. Like, oh, you break that, stone them. You did that, kill them. You broke that. I was like, jeez. This is, hard. is there going to be anybody left? If we had to apply the law today, I'm not sure how many people would still be alive in this building. But because we're under the new covenant, Christians think, well, I'm under grace. What? Have you seen what God's standard was? Do you think he changed? He didn't change. He expects you to live a holy, purified life, sanctified before him. The only difference is he gives us the Holy Spirit. In the new covenant, you have the Holy Spirit of God in you that wants to be holy, righteous. And so he draws you and he helps you and he enables you to live a life. But trust me, God has a standard. And we cannot abuse that standard simply for the sake of grace. Repentance is important. Purity is expected. And holiness is desired. This is what it means to have a lifestyle of worship. In Isaiah chapter 58, I don't have the scripture for you, but in Isaiah chapter 58, the prophet talks about the difference between true and false worship. And basically at the heart of false worship is when it's all about us. It's all about what God can do for me. In comparison and contrast, what true worship is, true worship sometimes hurts because true worship changes us because when you get into God's manifest presence it exposes that which is not of God in your life have you ever experienced that you get into worship you get in a moment God's presence settles in and you're like "Ooh." Oh, I didn't know that was still a thing in my life. Oh, I need to get rid of that. Or, man, I really got to apologize to that person. Oh, what? And, and it starts to, the whole, that light, that purity of God shines on you. And you're like, oh, I got to make some changes. Mm -hmm. See, because God's presence is both the diagnosis and the remedy. In his presence, we see what's not of him. And if you stay long enough in his presence, he will remove what's not of him. So worshiping Jesus gives you perspective and purpose. In today's world, it's so easily become self-centered and self-obsessed with this culture and what the narrative is. But worship changes your focus and it puts it back on Jesus. 
That's why here at The Promise we sing songs that you're probably not going to hear a lot of times on the Christian radio station. Because we sing songs, the lyrics are important, they need to be scriptural. We sing songs that magnify Jesus. We sing songs that glorify Him, that sing about His greatness, what He has done, who He is, not about me. It's not about meet me here, I'm so this, I'm so that, me this, me that, no. Now, let, let me hear me now. You can have songs in your own private time of consecration where you're crying out to the Lord, whatever you're going through, and you play that song, and it, it is a consecration time. I understand that. But when you talk about corporately worshiping Jesus, we've come to worship Him, to glorify Him. And just because a song moves you doesn't, it move, doesn't mean it moves God. See, God looks for songs that magnify his son. Are you singing about my son and his goodness and how loving and faithful and merciful and good he is? Are you singing those songs? Man, I, I was looking for some new songs on, on some new fast up-tempo songs we could do. And I was looking at some of the top Christian bands out there, some of the top Christian churches that are playing these songs in their churches, not just for the radio. I get that there's a difference. Playing these songs for their praise songs. And I wanted to throw something. I was like, what is this poetic nonsense? Oh, it's this and it's me and there's light and it's shiny and I'm good. And I'm like, what is this? Yeah, yeah, and it's a great beat. And the words are, I was like, is Jesus even in the song? Is there one word that talks about his redemption plan? Like, what is this? It's so poetic. It means nothing. And people are like, yeah. I'm like, what? Come on. Just because a song is popular doesn't mean it's anointed. The songs we choose magnify Jesus and God. And that's why what you experienced today, did you, if you were sensitive, you would have felt his manifest presence come in this room. Because when the worship moves a room, if you understand what I'm saying, the worship moves the room, it's because it moves his heart. And Jesus came in the room. Worship is where we minister to God. It's not about me. It's based on his worth. It's not about me. My feelings don't actually even matter. Because you know what? If I can turn my focus onto him, me and my feelings will change. I'll come in discouraged, but when I start singing about how faithful he's been and how good he's been, guess what? My discouragement turns to courage. I sing about how faithful he is and all the miracles he's done. My doubt turns to faith. God is not an egotist. He doesn't need our affirmation. Worship changes me. Worship changes us. When we see him clearly, we are changed. Because what you worship, you become like. So when we make worship a lifestyle instead of a time period, that's when your relationship with him will grow and your heart will become more like his. And you know, <clears throat> there is no limit to what God can do through a worshiping, surrendered people who want anything and everything he wants. And I want the promise to be a, a place 
where we worship in such a way that Jesus goes, I need to go and look at that little church over there. I need to go in that church right now because there are people that are hungry for me. They are crying out to me. They are worshiping in such a way, in spirit and in truth. I'm going to come seeking them. And let me tell you what happens when Jesus shows up in this room. Healings begin to happen. People get restored. People get delivered. People, I, I'm expecting people to get healed in their seats without anybody touching them. I'm expecting deliverance to happen in their seats. I'm expecting people to run down to this altar and begin repenting because the weighted glory of God is here and in his holiness you can't stand but to want to get right with God. Signs and wonders and miracles and, and I believe it's coming. And let me tell you, at the promise, we're contending for that. But you know even more than that what I want? I want to know his heart. I want to know his heart. I don't want to just know his works. I want to know his ways. And you know, we want signs and wonders. I know. And, and, and you might be like, what is a wonder? A wonder is when you walk out of church and you're like, wow. What was that? Like last Sunday with the testimony of Candace ministering to that guy at work, getting him so radically saved, God touching his life, and he's instantly delivered of drugs. That is a wonder, people. It's a sign and a wonder, and we are so grateful because wonders are happening in our church. And that is a sign and a wonder, and when that happens, it's an opportunity. God, the sign, it is a sign to point you to Jesus. A miracle is a sign to point you to Jesus. It's an invitation Jesus is giving you so you get to know his nature and his character more intimately. When you read the scripture that Jesus heals, he wants you to know him as healer, not just the scripture. So if you're believing for a healing or deliverance or a restoration or a financial breakthrough and that healing or deliverance comes, he wants you to get to know him in that way. He doesn't want you to just settle for the sign. Don't be satisfied with the sign. The Israelites were satisfied with just God's works. <clears throat> but it said Moses knew his ways. And God wanted the Israelites to know him. It says in scripture that they were able to. But they chose to be satisfied with just the miracles. And never got to know the miracle giver. And the problem is... The problem with being satisfied with just the miracle is that miracles get boring. How do I know? Oh my gosh, the Israelites, bless them. They are the perfect example. They get manna falling from heaven. Literally food falling from the sky every morning on the ground. A few days later, they're like, what else you got? <laughs> like, seriously, I'm over the spread. You know, <clears throat> They cross through the ocean. God parts the Red Sea, okay, folks. Literally the ocean, a wall of ocean, how many hundreds of feet in the air? I'm like, I'm, I'm thinking as I'm like reading it, I walk through it, I'm like, I wonder if the fish swam up and stopped like a glass wall or if they just fell right through. <laughs> like, does your mind go there? My mind goes there. I'm like, this is a wall of water. Less than two months later, they're worshiping in a golden calf. That they're like, yeah, this golden calf rescued us. Oh my gosh. I can't with these Israelites. <laughs> Why? It's because they were satisfied with the miracles, the works of his hands. They never got to know his heart. 
And you know, there's people that, it's the same thing, people believing God for a miracle, trusting God for a miracle, oh, I need a financial breakthrough, I need a healing. And then I watch people get the financial breakthrough or the healing, and then they grow, they grow cold. They get complacent. They start missing church, missing P3. And I'm like, what happened? What's going on? How are you not down front every Sunday going, wow, God, thank you for that healing. Thank you. Oh, my gosh, you're amazing. You're great. You're a healer. You are who you said you are. It's because they grew complacent. They were satisfied with that miracle. Now, a lot of times it's just like, well, yeah, yeah, I know he did that, but now I need financial breakthrough. I'm not sure if he's going to do that, but that's what I need now. They go from one sign to needing to the next sign to the next sign and actually never get to know the sign giver. They never get to know his heart because if they knew his heart, they couldn't stay away. They want to be here every Sunday worshiping with everything they've got, but then God blesses them and they're like, well, now I'm too busy to come to church because God's blessed me so much with my business. Hmm. I want you to see the difference how Moses responds <clears throat> to God. And this is my life scripture, Exodus chapter 33, 13, as we're drawing to a close. <clears throat> this is what Moses says. Now, now I pray, if I have found grace in your sight, show me your ways that I might know you. God's works wasn't enough for Moses. He wanted to know his ways. I want to know you, God. What makes you tick? Why did you do that? Why are you so merciful and graceful? God, show me who you are, what your heart is. Show me who you are. What, what is going on with you, Lord? Why are you thinking that? Don't get complacent with what God has done in your life. Don't get complacent. The Holy Spirit doesn't move on a complacent heart. He moves on the hungry. And at the promise, we are going off to God's presence. We're going off to his heart, and we're going off to his face. And so we're going to create more time in worship. We're going to create more space in worship. More time to give God glory, honor, and praise. Because I don't know if you've ever been so in love with somebody, you think about when you're dating them, and you go for a dinner date, and you sat down with them, and you just don't want it to end. You know, they start talking and you're holding their hands and you're just so excited and, you, and you're looking at your clock. Oh, I don't want to have to go. And you're like, pull. Oh, okay, 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 till we see you, right? But here, it's like most times in worship, it's like oh, Jesus just walks in the room and then we're like, okay, got to wrap it up. Let's move on. And He just got here. I want him to come in with everything he is and be with us. So we're going to create more space, more time. And I know in a lot of churches in America, people are used to being entertained at church. It's got air conditioning. It's got some good music. But people are used to being entertained. Well, they're not singing my favorite song, or they're going to be singing for longer now. Let's go halfway through. I don't really need to be there for all of that. My favorite songs are usually at the end. Guess what? It's not about you. At our church, it's not going to be about you. It's going to be about Jesus. It's going to be about worshiping Him, glorifying Him, honoring Him with everything in our beings. Laid out lovers for Jesus until He shows up in this room with everything He wants to do. So if that's your heart, 
If you want more of God, if you want to experience his tangible presence, if you want to just draw close to the heart of God, trust me, there's so much more to him. He will light you on fire and pour the oil of gladness in your heart. He will take care of you. All the other stuff that you worry about, he'll take care of. But he wants to know you, the creator of the universe, and he wants to draw you close. You can't imagine the love that God wants to shower on you as you draw close to him. I want to be a place, a, a place where God's presence rests continually. It says throughout Scripture that God was looking for a place to dwell. Now, we understand in the New Covenant, God is dwelling within us, but His manifest presence is looking for a place to dwell, to rest. I want it to be that way continually, that God's presence rests at the promise. His presence, His manifest presence, that when people walk in, they sense the love of God in this place. The word will always be preached at our church. It'll always be preached in truth and accuracy and, and, and the honesty of the word, always. But we're going to extend the worship. We don't know. Dre and I, we've spoken. There's no, we're not putting a clock on it. I'm not saying done now, done here. We're just going to extend. We're going to see some Sundays might be shorter, some might be longer, but we're going to allow the Holy Spirit to move because this is what we want. Jesus has promised us, he's given us a prophetic word that he's going to come and visit us. Well, I want to be anxiously awaiting his presence, waiting for you, Jesus. Come, Jesus. That's my heart. If you go ahead and stand with me today, just close your eyes for a moment. Just play this song. Just... Just close your eyes. Just, just let your heart love on Jesus. Just let your heart love on Jesus. We worship you, Jesus. We want to see your face, Jesus. Our heart cries out for more of you, God. All of you, Jesus. Oh, Holy Spirit, teach us. Teach us how to worship God in such a way. Teach us, Holy Spirit. Take us deeper. Oh, we lay our lives at your feet, God. We surrender to you, Jesus. With everything we have, we surrender, God. I surrender, Jesus. Jesus.
Thank you, Father, for your presence. Thank you, Lord. Oh, God, our hearts crying out for more of you, Jesus. If your heart is not right with God, if your heart is not right and you need to make it right, we're going to pray for you today. If you're ready to make Jesus the Lord of your life, to live a surrendered life to him, if you're ready, I don't want to do it this my own way anymore. God, I want you. I want all of you, and I'm going to give you all of me. If that's you, raise your hand. I'm going to pray for you. Thank you for the hands. Thank you for the hands going up. Thank you for those hands. Thank you for those hands. Ministry team, would you come down forward? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You need to get your heart right with the Lord. If you need to return to the Lord, if you've been drifting away, your heart's grown cold, you're like, God, my heart's cold, I don't, I need that, I need that fire, God. I'm turning my heart back to you, God, forgive me, raise your hand right now, we're going to pray. Raise your hand high, thank you. Jesus is looking, it's about what Jesus is seeing, are you serious? Are you serious with him? Because he is dead serious. Thank you for those hands. I'm going to pray, and you just pray in your, in your heart. Just whatever I'm praying, just pray with me. Father God, forgive me, Lord. Forgive me, Father, for my selfishness, for my self-centeredness, for being pulled away by the lusts and the desires of this world. God, forgive me. Jesus, thank you for your blood that washes me clean. Thank you, Jesus, for your righteousness, that because of your righteousness, I can enter into God's presence. So I receive that righteousness right now in the name of Jesus. I repent, God. I turn from my ways, and I run into your arms, God. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for helping me. Thank you for helping me to live the way God wants me to live. In Jesus' name, amen. If you need prayer for anything today, our ministry team is down front. Maybe you heard me talk about the Holy Spirit and you're like, I've never received the baptism in the Holy Spirit. I've never received that, that fullness to be able to pray in the Spirit like that, to have that extra, that, that fullness. Then I want you to come down ask one of our ministry team. They'll pray with you. You'll receive. It's a gift. I'm telling you, it'll take you to the next level. If you need healing, if you want to stand, if somebody to stand with you, if you need, if you just need a, a filling, whatever it is, come down. Our ministry team is right here right now as we dismiss the service. So come on out. Come on down your seats. We're going to give them that. Whatever it is you need prayer for, our ministry team is here to stand in faith with you and pray, okay? Thank you for coming out. Trust that you are blessed. Make worship your lifestyle, all right? We love you guys. Thanks.